Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. Good evening, everyone. My name is Michael Rogers, and as you can see, retirement has been treating me quite well lately. Um, No, but in all seriousness, it's an honor to be up here um, to be the second Michael Rogers in this pulpit, Um, and a privilege to be preaching to you all tonight. And I just thank you all for coming out um, and just getting a taste of what our worship looks like as a youth group. And I hope that you guys would just continue to support us and pray for us um, as we move forward. I just want to start out Um, Before we get into the actual passage, I want to tell you all what Matt told me two weeks ago when I was just starting to write my sermon. He said that I, Michael Rogers, must remember that I have nothing to offer any of you tonight. I have no wisdom or insight of my own to give you, but it is by the Lord's wisdom that he speaks through me. And so... If you have any praises or thanks to give to this sermon, may go to the Lord. If you would turn to me in your Bibles, tonight our passage comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. This is one of my favorite passages um, in the Bible, and please follow along as I read God's word. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So tonight, I want to call all of us to simply do one thing, and that is to walk wisely. And it may seem like an intimidating command, something that's so far out of our reach that we simply cannot attain it, that it's only for the few pastors and preachers and missionaries. But it is the exact opposite of that. God simply calls us to do this, to walk wisely through his servant Solomon in this passage. Solomon seeks to make it clear in this passage that if we walk wisely in Christ, we will be greatly blessed. So I want to break this message up into three main parts, three main questions, if you will. How do we walk wisely? Then second, what are the blessings we receive from walking wisely? And third and finally, what are the consequences of our foolishness? First, how do we walk wisely? 
Well, before I go into that, we need to make it clear what this wisdom that we should be walking in is. So first, let's start at the beginning. If you turn your, if you turn your Bibles just a page back to chapter 1, in verse 7, Solomon says to us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And again, in chapter 9, in verse 10, he says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fearing the Lord is such a prevalent call throughout the entirety of Scripture. But what does it actually mean? What does it mean for us to fear the Lord in all our ways? Well, briefly put, fearing the Lord means to love and respect God as our Father, while also being afraid of His judgment as the Almighty and Awesome God. Ultimately, wisdom is the application of this fear and the knowledge of the Lord through His Word. We must also know that wisdom is, as James describes it in James 3.17, that it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. This is what the wisdom is that we should be walking in. Now that we know what this wisdom is, let's get into how we can apply it and how we walk wisely. And here's where Solomon's commands are so helpful. Solomon presents us with six commands to challenge us to walk in wise obedience to God according to his character by trusting in him alone. For sake of time, we're only going to look at the first three major commands. Do not forget the Lord's commandments. Do not forsake his steadfast love and faithfulness and trust in him. Solomon wants us to actively obey each of these commands, even as challenging as they are. Each command, as one commentary puts it, charges us to give up our self-centered realities and replace them, or our self-centered fantasies and replace them with a God-centered reality. In other words, walking wisely means that we must sacrifice our worldly and sinful desires in order to pursue something much greater, and that is the Lord's wisdom. We We must realize that these commands are not just once and done things. This is made clear in the first two commandments. First, in verses 1 and 2, Solomon says that we must not forget his commandments, but let our hearts keep them. We cannot see these commands as some sort of checklist that we go through every Sunday morning, or statements that we merely memorize and recite and we're good to go. That's simply not the kind of attitude that is compatible with Solomon's instruction here. Instead, he makes it clear that we must live these commands out by binding them to our souls. So a question that I would ask all of you, are you turning these commands into checklists for Sunday, for Sunday mornings, for Wednesday nights, for even every morning when you're doing your devotions? Is it becoming something that you just check off the list and move on? Or is it something that you truly live by? Now, in order to do this, in order to live by these commandments, we must follow Solomon's second commandment. In verse 3, to never forsake the Lord's commandments to live in steadfast love and in faithfulness. He says to bind these things around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, I love this imagery of writing them on the tablet of your heart because it means they're set in stone. Solomon didn't say, just put a sticky note on your heart and then take it off after Sunday. He didn't say that. He said, put it on the tablet of your heart. This means they will never leave you. 
This means they should dictate your every thought, deed, and word. This is how we live out the Lord's commandments. Now, these words, steadfast love and faithfulness, also translated to mercy and truth, are often used to describe the Lord himself. For example, in Exodus 34, 6, when the Lord revealed himself to Moses, he proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Therefore, these divine qualities are what we need to pursue in order to live in accordance with God's character. Some ways we can imitate the Lord's character is by being faithful to him in our wealth, as Solomon says here in verse 9. Also, simply loving others as he loved us with that steadfast love. By glorifying the Lord and walking in accordance to his ways, we are walking in true wisdom. Now, after going through these first two commandments and telling us to bind ourselves to the commandments and character of the Lord, Solomon encourages us to put our trust in the Lord. And I'm sure many of you recognize this verse, to put all of your trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding. But even so, often as sinners, we see ourselves and our own power as sufficient, and we don't trust in him. We must also realize that the difference between trusting in our power and in the power of the Lord as one commentator puts it, is not secular wisdom versus sacred wisdom. It's being wise in our own eyes versus being wise in the eyes of the Lord. So essentially, we could think that we have godly wisdom, that we are reading our Bible and being nice to people. But that is simply all God sees is just our pitiful and selfish attempts at taking salvation into our own hands. Think of it as going to the dentist. Now, prior to going to the dentist, at least I always brush my teeth as best as I can and floss for the first time in a while. Um, And after doing this, you know, I'm going into the dentist thinking my, my teeth are spotless. Like, I'll be in and out of here right away. But ultimately, no matter how much we brush and floss, there's still a tremendous amount of plaque and just things that you don't want to know about in our teeth that only the dentist can clean out. Now you see where I'm going with this. Similarly, we think we can save ourselves. We think we can cleanse our own souls. And our culture thrives on this, that the idea that no one is going to do it for us, that we must save ourselves, that we must take our salvation into our own hands. But simply put, we are not God's. Only the Lord can cleanse us of our sin, just as only the dentist can cleanse our teeth. This is being wise in our own eyes. We put our, if we put our trust in the Lord, though, with our full hearts, this will bring us true salvation. This is walking wisely. Now, trusting the Lord also means, as Solomon says it in this passage, to acknowledge him. For example, Abraham's servant prayed and prayed and prayed that he might find the right wife for Isaac. By praying over and over again and relying truly on the Lord, he witnessed the Lord's answer. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and faithfulness toward my master. 
Again, it all comes back to how the Lord is steadfast in love and faithfulness. Because of this, let us show our grateful love by trusting in him. Why would we not? He is steadfast. He's never changing. Some ways we can do this simply in prayer, in praise. And finally, to trust in the Lord means to know that his reproof and his discipline is good. As Solomon says in verse 11. So this is how we walk wisely. First, we must live in accordance to his commandments and character. Second, we must trust and lean on the Lord and his wisdom alone for our salvation. Now, now that we know how we must walk wisely, let us consider the many blessings that Solomon promises us to all those who walk wisely. So this is the second point. What are these blessings? Now, all these blessings, which are success, healing, long life, peace, our paths being made straight, wealth, the fatherly love of the Lord, all of these are linked through the common themes of prosperity on this earth and peace with God. And when we picture these blessings in our minds, I want us to remember one child's description of an elevator. I got into this little room and the upstairs came down. It's such a beautiful picture of the fatherly love of the Lord and how his blessings rain down on us that our works do not get us up there to meet him, but he comes down and rains down through his blessings. These are the blessings of walking wisely, which only come from the free grace of God, not by our works. He is our only source of true blessing promised in this passage. Now, all these blessings, as I said, are connected by prosperity and peace. And this prosperity and peace can be summed up by one Hebrew word, shalom. Shalom is used synonymously in verse 2 with the length of days and the peace and is really implied in all the blessings here. Like me, I'm sure many of you might recognize this term without fully understanding its true significance. In the most basic terms, shalom means completeness or wholeness. And as you can see, this passage clearly indicates the wholeness and restoration we will receive when we walk in wisdom according to the Lord. Solomon says, as a result of walking wisely, our paths are made straight and we are promised healing and refreshment to our bodies. This is the shalom that we are promised as a blessing. Now, for the Israelites during this time, abiding in the law and trusting in the Lord granted them the shalom through long life, through prosperity in the world, and in the sight of God. This shalom was granted by God through his grace by establishing peace between him and his people. In other words, when the Israelites would walk wisely, God was at peace with them, and they were at peace with God. This is what shalom meant to the Israelites during that time, and their example shows us how abiding in the Lord leads to peace with our Father. Now, the final blessing that Solomon provides us here is his fatherly love for us in verse 12. He says, The Lord approves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. 
Now, Solomon is essentially saying that we should trust in the Lord's discipline and his reproof simply because he loves us as his children. And all of these previous blessings seem to indicate some sort of tangible result or blessing through shalom, through peace on earth. But here in this verse, in this blessing, he holds, Solomon holds on to the fact that God loves us. And that is why we need to trust in his discipline. And it is so hard for our sinful hearts to realize that the Lord's discipline is a blessing to us. That it is given out of unfathomable, uncontainable love that we should be eager to accept, not immediate to turn down. The Lord's love and reproof is something we often take for granted and even despise, as Solomon says. But the Lord's discipline is out of true love for us as his children, an overwhelming love that we simply don't deserve. Now, all these blessings are great and all, but how can anyone walk in perfect wisdom to achieve and, re- and receive all these blessings in all their ways? Now, this brings us to our third and final point. What are the consequences of foolishness, and how are we saved from them? Well, this has been clear to us in verse 11. Here we see that the Lord's reproof and discipline comes as a direct result of our foolishness. This can come in many ways, some of them being instilling guilt in our hearts or letting us suffer the earthly consequences of our sin. This is his fatherly reproof, but our deserved punishment is eternal condemnation and separation from him. While the promise of fatherly love and discipline is clear in this passage, we must realize that throughout the entirety of God's word, it also says, as Romans 6.23 says, the wages of our sin is death, and we cannot avoid that. So then, why do we receive the Lord's fatherly love instead of his wrath? Well, the answer is only the single greatest Sunday school answer ever. It's Jesus. Jesus lived this wisdom out perfectly so that we don't have to face the Lord's punishment of condemnation. He walked in true, unfaltering wisdom and took the wrath of God anyways on the cross for our sake. Now when God looks down on us, he sees the perfection of Christ. We are no longer bound by the wrath of God in death and eternal condemnation, but now have life in Christ. Christ is the one who reconciles us and restores us back to God. This is the shalom we were talking about. Without him, we would have to face the Lord's wrath, but instead we experience the forgiving, the reproving, and the steadfast love of our Father in heaven. Christ not only gives himself up to restore us with God and shalom with him, but he also gives himself as wisdom in the flesh. 1 Corinthians one twenty four, as Kieran read it, says that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So if we have put our faith in Christ, as we know, we are united to his spirit. We are united to Jesus. Therefore, since we are united, we are uni- since we are united to Christ, we are united to wisdom itself in the flesh. And therefore, if we live in this way, then we will inevitably walk more wisely. In fact, if we pursue unison with Christ or the wisdom of God, 
That blessing of shalom is given to us, and we are made whole again in the Lord alone. Through Christ, we have shalom with our great God, and we'll find peace and prosperity on this earth as well. This is what shalom means to us today. Now, I don't want us to neglect what it meant to the Israelites, because that still applies to us today. If we choose to walk in wisdom, if we choose to trust in the Lord, then we will be at peace with him. But now we have a greater hope. It is the reconciliation through Christ alone that gives us the eternal peace with God. By living in Christ, we are not only granted the shalom and peace and prosperity of this life, but we are also promised eternal restoration, eternal shalom in heaven with our Father. This is an amazing blessing that we should not take for granted. And this is why we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and pursue to walk wisely. Christ brings everything around full circle in this passage. He's the means of how we walk wisely and that he walked wisely for us. He's wisdom in the flesh. So now we, if we are united to him, will walk wisely. He is how we are blessed in shalom. He restores us back to God by taking on the punishment that we justly deserved. And finally, he is how we are given the fatherly reproof of the Lord. He has taken the punishment for us so that we may experience the fatherly love of God. Christ ties this passage together, giving us all the more reason why we should put our faith in him alone. I'll leave you with this. Jesus is the one and only beautiful hope that we have in this world of utter foolishness and chaos. So I'm going to answer that first question again. How do we walk wisely? By pursuing Christ alone. Let us go in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all your heavenly blessings. Lord, that you rain down upon us each and every day, even when we don't deserve them. Lord, you are truly almighty in all your ways. You are truly wise. And we thank you so much for your Son, who is wisdom in the flesh, who has given us this hope, who has blessed us with the shalom and peace with you alone. And we pray that as we go out and as we live our daily lives, Lord, that we would live out these commandments, that we would write them on the tablet of our hearts, Lord, that we would pursue Christ in every way. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.